When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. everybody welcome back to another episode of the reality podcast dropping that tea every week on all of your favorite reality television shows from the bachelorette to survivor to the challenge the circle and more we are here this week to recap the third episode of the bachelorette the 13th episode of the challenge spies lies and allies feels like the 55th and the seventh sixth seventh seventh episode of survivor 41 i am josh green i am here alone to start the podcast we do have a couple guests coming on um i am gonna start and record the bachelorette part quicker bachelorette part for this week um as i am alone but before we get to the bachelorette part if you guys listen to this podcast, you already know what this is. This podcast is sponsored by Alchemy Deodorant. And Alchemy believes that the stuff that they put under your arms should be good for not just you, but for the environment. It is a plastic-free, all-natural deodorant. It is vegan and plant-based. It's baking soda-free, aluminum-free, and it is made and hand poured in the United States of America. It is two and a half ounces of some great deodorant that is at a cheap $8 that is some quality, quality deodorant. They have some great flavors that include Swashbuckler, which is a tropical scent, The Wilds, which is a woodsy scent, Love Potion, which is a floral scent, Golden Ticket, which is a chocolate scent, and their new scent coming out uh, at the end of November. Use code REALITY to get 15% off your entire order over on their website, www.alchemy, that's A-L-C-H-E-M-Y, deodorant, D-E-O, D-O-R-A-N-T.com, and check them out on Instagram at alchemy underscore deodorant for any updates on their products, any sales, any of their content will be over on their Instagram. Now, let's get into the third episode of Michelle Young's season. Michelle's beautiful inside and out. This has been a great season thus far. A little bit producer uh, heavy with the drama um, and some of these fights, but let's get into it. We start the episode. We've got a group date uh, with Martin, LT, Olu, Spencer, Clayton, Nate, Joe, Rick, Will, and Peter. Uh, I want a man who isn't afraid of the danger zone. Michelle. And this was a Top Gun date. They had two actors from the movie Top Gun there um, who obviously knew everything about 
aviation and all the different things that go into the movie of Top Gun. It was cool that they had those actors there for the date and they probably uh, struck a deal to promote the movie and get the actors there for uh, some cool screen time. Uh, the producers definitely kept pushing this whole Peter and Will situation where um, Will ends up getting the uh, the bravest pilot. I forget the, uh, the real name of whatever they called it, but um, Peter throws it in the pool and it just, it, it rubs everyone the wrong way. I haven't heard anyone on social media take Peter's side. Um, you know, this is beyond like two friends joking around with each other. Like Peter's just being a downright bully about it. Uh, and it really wasn't cool at all. I am glad for Will that he got to get some alone time with Michelle uh, or little Willie as his uh, call name was, which was fun. Um, they got to ride in the car from Top Gun, which looked like an amazing car. Uh, nice little uh, part for Will as he does have a little bit of a rougher uh, night portion to this group date. We get to the night portion and Clayton, we see, and as we've talked about before, uh, they are filming his season of The Bachelor right now. And, uh, you know, Clayton talks about how uh, he really finds Michelle's confidence attractive and um, loves how she's someone who is ready to take on the world. Um, and Michelle says how Clayton is, you know, stepping outside of his comfort zone. And she did not expect that from him. It seems like they have a nice connection. Um, we, we even get Nate talking and we've seen Nate this whole season um, with how smitten he is with her. And then we move into the one-on-one -on -one with Rodney and the, uh, the note or the date card says, love is about letting go. And Rodney is getting prepped for the date. And we head back over to the group date night portion. Uh, Michelle thanks Martin for checking in on her. He ends up getting the group date rose. They go to a private concert. Um, have a nice moment together. <laughs> it reminded me because uh, it was music, but everybody's saying that uh, that Martin looks like all five members of NSYNC put together is so right. I, I can't unsee it anymore. It's just, it's too good, too good. Um, and then, yeah, the main event of the group date uh, night portion was that Will, uh, you know, was very upset visibly that Peter threw his jacket in the pool. Um, and I think they all were over Peter at this point. You know, they've just had drama after drama this season. Um, you know, Michelle will get rid of one person uh, who's dramatic and then someone else steps in for the drama. So um, the guys are, most of them are just over it at this point. We get to Rodney Michelle's one-on-one. -on -one. They play a good amount of truth or dare um, as they're trying different foods. Uh, they're trying to, they get uh, handcuffed to each other and they have to find the key in all these uh, gift gift wrappings uh, and work on it together. So it displayed some communication and teamwork between the two. And then the last one, which was obvious that Rodney would be doing uh, because they would not have any bachelorette uh, get fully naked on the show is that 
um, it said you have to strip completely down, and Rodney had to do that and run around. Caitlin and Tasha were there uh, for their commentary, and some of the guys were there as well. Um, Rodney took it like a champ. It seemed like a a very good uh, episode for Rodney. We see them at their night portion where uh, Rodney gets to um, before he gets to the uh, the dock. They're talking at the dock when they row out there um, and they're talking about their truths um, and things that they're scared of, their biggest fears. And Rodney says how uh, he's his fear is passing away before becoming a husband and a father. So um, with a fear like that and not saying like snakes or, uh, you know, uh, heights or anything like that to say, you know, before becoming a husband or father, you can tell he really is looking for a serious committed re relationship. Um, and he's hoping that it's with Michelle. And I, you know, I definitely thought that Rodney was someone who was more of a friend for Michelle in the beginning of this show. Um, but it is seen to be that he is slowly um, and definitely by the end of the one-on-one -on -one date, it, it seems that he's someone that could be here for the long haul um, and potentially, you know, maybe hometowns, maybe fantasy suites for Rodney because he's, he's a nice guy and he's just not, he's not in the drama. He's not, uh, doing anything stupid he's solely there for michelle he has a good head on his shoulders uh good job i think he's like a biotech ceo or a medical salesman but that's also like half a bachelor nation so uh, i could be wrong there but i think i think rodney's someone that the show uh really enjoys and hopes that they'll uh you know have rodney on for a while as he's not you know anybody that sets a bad example for the season or for the show in general. Um, Rodney also opens up, uh, and as does Michelle, they both open up about their moms. Um, Rodney opens up that his mom was a single mom for most of her life and had to work three jobs for her kids um, to make sure they had uh, food on the table while growing up. And Michelle, before presenting the rose to Rodney, tells him that while Rodney has said to Michelle that he sees himself as an underdog, um, you know, he is certainly not an underdog and that he should look at himself in a brighter light. And, you know, I, I was really happy for him here. I think he did a great job and was able to really get uh, to Michelle's heart and you know she took Caitlin and Tasha's advice from night one which was don't count anybody out and you know Tasha said that to her on night one and you know I think she may have thought oh Rodney you know he, he's just someone I'll keep as he's a nice guy and you know he's better than you know a Peter or something um but now I think she's looking at him in a different light and someone that could be around for a while um i i don't think you know he's in the long haul like nate um or uh 
or you know Romeo maybe, but I uh, I do think he is going to be here for a while, um, and I, I'm happy about that because Ron needs someone who is not agitating to watch on screen like some of these men are that they cast on the show. We get to the second group date: Jamie, Leroy, Chris, Casey, Malik, Chris S, Brandon, Romeo. And we see that it is a group date and it is a spoken word group date where they have to go up and say their spoken word poems in front of Michelle. And everyone's giving a lot of deep things about themselves, tying it in with Michelle and Chris G is, or Chris S rather is really happy that Chris G, excuse me, two Chris's makes it hard. Chris G makes it very happy because he's a motivational speaker. This is something he should knock out of the park. And um, I think everyone definitely was impressed with his uh, spoken word poem that he delivered here. Um, and we had Brandon who took Michelle up on stage. Uh, really, Brandon has been a standout thus far as well. Someone to definitely keep an eye on uh, as far as, you know, who could be here for a while. I think Brandon's definitely, definitely up there. Uh, you know, Michelle's been impressed with him throughout and he's been nothing but nice, open, everything that you would want uh, so far. Brandon has delivered to Michelle at this point. Um, we then we see a short compilation. Pretty much everyone is doing a great job. Everyone's supporting one another. It seemed like a pretty, uh, you know, deep emotional thing. No one was really upset with anyone until we get to Jamie. And Jamie didn't understand the assignment. Uh, Jamie says he lost his book, which, boy, bye. You did not lose your book. I, I mean, if you're going to lie, come up with a better lie like that. We're here for lying. Like, I mean, come on, we're going to be talking about the challenge and survivor where they lie all the time. You know, um, if you're going to lie, just come up with a better one. And uh, th that was frustrating. He, uh, he says that, you know, he forgot it and it was just, it was ridiculous. I, I thought it was really, uh, really not great at all um at the cocktail party they're even people are even getting more annoyed with jamie as he just continues to talk about how he has such a great foundation and he has all this time and i i do know that like one one-on-one -on -one can make all the difference because those dates are very long but to me it's just someone who clearly has not seen the show before. Um, this was someone that they probably found on Instagram or ran into um, on the street, wherever uh, Jamie lives in, you know, some area. Um, you know, this could easily be a casting story where they saw him, you know, at a mall or a smoothie shop and they saw a good looking guy and thought that he would be great for the show. Um, but I mean, you can you can tell immediately as soon as the producer conversation gets aired, 
first of all, ABC wants nothing to do with this man. They, they want absolutely nothing to do with this man. They're looking at him and they, they know that all of us are just as annoyed as they are with this man. He is calling for a producer and we just have had it with him already. <laughs> and then the comments that he made about uh, Michelle calling it spring break and how he shouldn't have to compete with a guy like Brandon. It really, after that, I just lost a ton of respect for Jamie and I just really feel like the show did as well um, because the implication he was making was really rude and disrespectful to Michelle who went out of her way to give him uh, the first one-on-one -on -one and felt like she had a good connection with the man and he just absolutely tore her to shreds for no reason at all and really uh, it, it was really disrespectful now, it doesn't give anyone the right to um, feel that they can go on social media and attack Jamie the way that he has been. I think it's really, it says a lot more about the trolls out there who are, you know, messaging Jamie uh, things about his mother's uh, suicide. Like, that's really disrespectful and uncalled for. So if you're doing that, please stop. Don't don't do that. That's really disrespectful. Even though Jamie didn't have the best showing on the show, and you know he said some definitely disrespectful things to Michelle, uh, does not mean you have to go out and say that uh, you know he he's the reason that his mom killed herself. Like that's that's way too far. And the man saw that happen. Like that's that is way too below the belt and something that no one should be saying. And I bring it up because I know Jamie has been getting some of that hate out there on social media. Um, and it's, it's really unwarranted uh, to that point. So uh, save your time, do something better. Um, donate to a uh, suicide hotline, um, donate to a volunteer organization to help suicide uh, when you, uh, think you might use the time to uh, berate a contestant on reality television, uh, decide to do something better instead of something uh, sad and abysmal like that. So we get past the producer conversation um, and we head to the cocktail party um, or the shirt version that we have. Martin, Rodney, and Brandon have roses heading into this cocktail party. Rick speaks to Michelle in the, uh, the short part of the cocktail party that we see. And Rick gets told by Michelle, he, you know, Rick lays it out. He says, everybody is frustrated with what's been going on. This has not been said in the house as a house. So someone is telling you something lies. And I, I actually enjoyed from Michelle here. There's a lot of times where the lead would protect the person who did this. Michelle straight up was like, it was Jamie. Jamie was the one who told me. And, um, you know, after that, uh, Rick is telling Nate and Casey about this. They talk to Jamie and uh, Jamie, you can just tell, did not expect this to happen. He, the way he was presenting himself, his body language, his communication to the men, you could tell 
he thought that uh, production was not going to bring this up and that Michelle would not uh, divulge any of this information to anybody else on the show. And uh, that that was not going to be the case. Michelle is not putting up with any bullshit this season. She's sending home any man that's related to the drama. And that is why, among many other reasons, that so many people really enjoy her on this season of The Bachelorette. And I was very happy that she escorted Jamie out before the cocktail party um, was even ended, before the rose ceremony started. She just told him to go home. And I'm I'm happy she is she's willing to play ball with the show, but she's not willing to play ball like some of the other leads did in the past. Um, you know, <coughs> one that comes to mind is Hannah Brown, where you know Luke P was in the show till the final four, and the signs were everywhere that he should have been gone. Um, you know, there's there's plenty of other people that have dragged contestants through because production told them to uh, for drama, whatever it may be. And I just feel for Michelle because it seems like every time the drama leaves, including next episode, uh, there's a new person uh, for drama. So it's frustrating, but nonetheless, Jamie goes home, uh, Caitlin and Tasha come in. They say, look, cocktail party's canceled. Michelle's not feeling good. Uh, she wants to go right to the rose ceremony. We see Joe, Rick, Leroy, Nate, Casey, Chris G, Chris S, Clayton, Olu, Romeo, and Will get roses. Um, so we we are seeing Malik, Peter, LT, and Spencer go home. Uh, honestly, forgot LT was still on the show. Um, very happy that Peter went home. I think Michelle made the right decision here. Um, Peter is just every season when I think I see somebody and, you know, this, this happens all the time on this franchise. It really does. Every single season on this show, on this franchise, whether it be paradise bachelor bachelor at, I always think I see the person that is, you know, on the show, they always find the crazy people. They really do. And every season of The Bachelor, Bachelorette, Bachelor in Paradise, I always think I've seen the worst. Peter is the worst of them all. Of the worst, Peter is the worst. He truly, truly, truly is. And, uh, you know, I'm glad Michelle handled it this way. I think she handled it with class and handled it well. She escorted Jamie out before the rose ceremony. Peter goes home and, uh, you know, I think she has a good group of men left. The preview, we see some BMWs and it looks like the drama's kicking off right again as I believe it is Chris S uh, who starts some drama next week, at least based off of the preview. Um, I am personally excited. I know there are people out there who are a little frustrated with how much drama we have gotten on this show uh, lately. And I completely can sympathize with that. We have had a ton of drama um, and it does not stop. So I 
can agree with that. And I also agree with people who say we've had too much of this franchise without a break. I think the longest break we've had is like two or three weeks in the last calendar year. Um, so they need to give us more of a break, like a month, month and a half break would be great soon. Um, but with Clayton season filming already, uh, uh, there's no break in sight. Looks like there's going to be a second uh, season of The Bachelor uh, being filmed after Clayton's. So really just a lot going on, a lot to unpack. And um, we're, we're definitely excited for Michelle's season. A few housekeeping things. Uh, we are going to be... Um, I'm still going to be getting guests uh, for the majority of November. I am helping out Austin and Corey uh, as they are my dear, dear friends, and they are handling a move uh, from Chicago to Maryland. Um, and I am going to bring on some different guests. Um, and we're really, really looking forward to it. Um, we've got some great guests lined up for all of our shows uh, we have some people that have been with us in the past and we have some uh, former players that we've yet to interview. Uh, we're really excited for it. And I just, I also want to just stop down uh, since this was a shorter segment than I even thought it would be. And, you know, just thank, thank our listeners. You know, um, there's really so many times where we look back on the podcast and just love what we get to do. Um, we never thought that the reality podcasts would be as big as um, it is. And even though we aren't mega, um, we still enjoy coming on the mic every single week. It's been something during the pandemic that has been something very happy for me, something great to look forward to. I'm not perfect. I'm not polished, but I love reality television. And I love coming on here with the guests that we have to talk about everything that reality TV brings to us for all of the real incredible conversations about powerful topics and all of the nonsense and bullshit that we get on these shows. Austin, Corey, and I truly appreciate all of you. We've had some incredible guests thus far and we have some more lined up. So we're really excited uh, for the month of November and December. Uh, it's going to be a great couple months for the reality podcast. I hope you guys stay tuned. Uh, we do have Drew Angelman coming on from Angel Cake Entertainment to speak about the challenge. Um, and we have my friend Matt Perel to come on and talk about uh, part two of the Survivor Merge, episode seven. If you did not like last week's episode, Please make sure that you listen to uh, this week's episode. We unfortunately lost the recording last week. Um, first time we've had that happen uh, here at the Reality Podcast in a year and two months. So, you know, if we just had it happen once, that's that's okay by me. We are so stoked. Uh, great merge episode to talk about ahead. Great challenge episode uh, in my eyes to talk about. Uh, the show's not doing great, but we'll uh we'll unpack it we got some uh meta questions some bigger questions from some fans and we're looking forward to it so please stay tuned all right everybody what is going on we are back to recap the challenge episode 13 titled titanic in honor of amanda garcia a woman that this podcast has really enjoyed on this season of the challenge spies lies and allies uh, but I am not alone to recap this episode. I'm here with a man who 
has 20,000 subscribers on YouTube. So congratulations for that, my friend. Uh, he has been on the podcast before uh, helping us out, recapping uh, Double Agents and Spies, Lies, and Allies. He is behind the YouTube channel, Angel Cake Entertainment. Please welcome Drew Angel into the podcast. Drew, how are you? Thanks for coming on. I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I can't believe uh, the 20,000 mark. Uh, I feel like I've been working so much that I can't like sit down and like just soak it all in. But uh, it's 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 something I pinch my I pinch myself every time I uh, I see that number and uh, log into my uh, to upload another video. You kill them, man. You really do. And, you know, it's not just the uh, the words you're saying, like you always have great graphics and uh, always have great videos that you incorporate into it. And I know Austin and Corey will always like send me one when you're uh, uploading and now I'm subscribed. So I get them all the time and we tell our other challenge friends that are fans and uh, it's been great. Um, we haven't had you on in a few episodes. So I want to just ask you um, in general, like we've, we've switched to this team format um, where before we had the double agents, uh, pairs and infiltration type format so i want to ask you uh before we get into the episode uh you know beat by beat what do you think of this uh team format uh thus far do you like it i was skeptical to say the very least of this format when it was starting to get swapped up uh after bettina and Corey won against uh amber and jeremiah i was Nervous for the switch up because I was worried that they were going to default back to the vet truce. It seemed like everything was going to start getting really lively and it almost feels like a new season started. Like we got through the preliminary season, the preseason of the challenge to get to the regular season of the challenge. And uh, my greatest fears were uh, came true <laughs> that uh, we, we pretty much went back to the vet truce. And I think the way they're handling the team format is just not good. But I just finished, I will say this, I just finished rewatching Gauntlet 3, and they handled the team format just the same uh, with the vets uh, just completely dominating the rookies. And they never swapped up. They never made people sit out. It was utter domination on that season as well. And it was just, like, ridiculous. So I almost felt like, wow, we haven't learned anything from season 15 to now. So it's kind of nuts. Yeah. In regards to the format, you know, you talk about teams and we've seen it throughout the history of this show. Um, and, you know, like I said, in pre-show, uh, one of our good friends, Chris Miller, uh, also known as Tex uh, by our good friends, uh, you know, watches the show a lot. He's a huge fan, just like the two of us. And he had asked uh, how, or what would be the most optimal format for next season? Um, so do you think like maybe going completely rogue and individuals, uh, this pair idea, uh, big teams? Because we have seen teams and pairs in these last two seasons. What do you think would be the uh, the optimal move uh, for the show for 38? I feel like maybe the challenge is past teams at this point. I mean, season 34, they tried it. And it just didn't work out well. It was almost like vets versus rookies uh, back then because of how, ma how many of the UK members were still new. Uh, they were brought on. They hadn't, didn't, they hadn't done so many seasons. So, And then this season with three team formats, 
I thought maybe three teams would work out better. It just did not. <laughs> it's not working out well at all, especially with the format of being able to pick your partner or being able to pick who you're going up against. It just, it's just not working out well. The execution is not working out well. I think personally, I think going solo is my favorite. And more specifically, I like the idea of free agents, mainly for the fact that I love the way that they handled daily missions, where if you didn't, if you didn't do well enough with, like over a certain number of people who are then going to be lopped off into the draw to then have a possibility of going into the elimination. I mean, it nerfed the numbers having the kill card. Yes. You can say Devin and Johnny kind of like skated by without going into an elimination, but they were still in the draw every single time. And that's what the draw was for is putting yourself in a position to possibly get picked every single time you did not do well in an, a daily mission. So not only were you not fighting to win, but you were also fighting to be better than over half the cast to not to be down in the draw. So I think that would be optimal or possibly a difference in format that we haven't seen in a while. Don't change it up at all. MTV, just do the free agents. Everybody loves the free agents. And I'll guarantee you, if you put free agents too, and just name it that, people would rush to watch this season at least in the first couple of episodes to see how it would shake out uh, is my opinion. But I think solo is the way of, of the future. Um, I even think maybe teams and then moving into a solo kind of like how survivor does. Like, I think this season would be, would have been better if it was teams moving into solo format instead of the opposite way that they did it, which was pairs and then teams. So as far as the free agents to remark, and I, I do hold that season in high regard, I think, as far as the uh, dailies go, as far as the, um, the uh, eliminations, the kill card even, I really enjoyed. I think there was a lot of good stuff in that season. Um, do you think the kill card would be the mechanism to get uh, voted into the draw? Um, or the kill card being a part of the draw. Do you still think in this era of the show that that would be something that's effective? I think it could be. I mean, you got to try something different, right? Uh, so with the kill card, they did it one season. They tried to do it a second season with Rivals 3, but it the execution of that was not well. No. It did not work out well with the three skulls and then you're pulling out skulls and trying to make it kind of unpredictable. But it was easily cheatable, whereas, yes, Isaac was able to figure out what the kill card was. But I think having that level of competition within your daily missions, which is, I mean, your elimination is only like 10 minutes of the episode. So I think that if you want to have a good bulk of your episode being very questionable or trying to like, well, I wonder what's going to happen or have a level of competition within your daily mission, which is the bulk of your beginning episode every single week i think you should have the kill card and make it unpredictable and have it a, a a crazy draw to see and also it weeds out some of the weaker players because they're going to continuously go into the draw how many times can they get around going uh not being able to go into an elimination and at least they're always going to be in the line of fire of going into an elimination i agree with that and i think that you bring up a really good point 
with weaker players being able to go into the draw. I think it's something they should look into. And I know uh, Austin, Corey, and I have talked. Um, you know, I can't believe it's episode 13. It feels like it's episode 54. But um, I we've talked, and the show really as a whole – um, since the challenge bloodlines and i'm pretty sure one episode earlier in the season uh, was the lowest rated episode in the history of the challenge and we we had talked about it and you know i have i'm rocking my buff around my neck but um the reason in my opinion there is a huge problem there are so many people i know that watch survivor and the challenge and big brother like when you watch reality tv you want to watch a bunch of shows so i think just to go into the ratings a little bit i really feel like the challenge needs to move their time back their time slot back uh even if it's nine o'clock instead of 9 30 start um they can't compete with survivor at eight on wednesdays they um they just can't survivor has been on the air for two decades it does not seem like they're stopping anytime soon and the challenge has just been dipping uh lately it really has so um, I personally think that should be something that they consider um, if they have any pause in between filming seasons. I know you and I are both excited. I saw your preview uh, video on YouTube, uh, All-Stars 2, and then the rumored cast for 3 looks even better. Um, so what are your thoughts on like the ratings and as far as like some things that they've done uh, you know, on the main show as well as uh, All-Stars? Um, so I made a, a video about the ratings not too long ago. Um, it's it's kind of alarming, but I mean, from going back to the past, I think I got was able to get season 19, go all the way back to get every single episode's ratings and viewership numbers. And I mean, as you're going along that, that's a different day and era than what we are now. But I agree with you that I think the time slot should change, but also the the time limit of an episode it should be back to 60 minutes it shouldn't be 90 minutes nothing that they put in the episode for 90 minutes warrants that extra 30 minutes in my opinion and when you take a look at the opportunity costs of what people are going to watch if you have dvr and tivo if you want somebody to watch your show live putting it at 90 minutes is now you're competing with two different times uh time slots you're not only competing for the eight o'clock time slot but you're also competing for the nine o'clock and are people going to want to watch 90 minutes when they could watch an hour of survivor and then come back and skip through all those commercials which all those commercials help with giving the viewership and the money to the challenge so they can have 51 billion explosions every single season um <laughs> So to me, I would much rather see it go back to 60 minutes, maybe push back to nine o'clock, go nine to 10 and just call it a day. Um, I also think that maybe what could warrant it is that let's let you see the cast. We've seen the cast for all stars. It's so good. And why can't we have those people come to do the main seasons? And it's because of the timing. It's because of how long the main seasons are. Let's cut it down. Let's have the main season be like All-Stars. Let's cut it down to a month filming. Let's take out how grandeur the main season is. Let's take out all the explosions. Let's pare it down to 10 to 12 episodes, 24 competitors. And let's see if we can get some of these players coming in to do the main seasons. I mean, Darrell, at the end of Double Agent, said 
when he got eliminated, I can't be away from my family this long yet. He's done or he's rumored to be on three straight seasons of all stars. It's like, okay, if he can do three straight seasons and be fine with it, he would be able to do the main season if it was the same kind of way. So I think there is a formula that could work that could make everybody happy. It's just, if the challenge MTV main season is able to swap up what they want to do and if they're willing to do that, but I just don't know if they'll be able to or want to um, in anytime soon. You bring up a phenomenal point about that as far as making it shorter, making some changes to the all-star show. So many people have really, really been vocal on social media and absolutely loving all-stars on there's even been rumors that some of the people on the main show had uh, been getting calls uh, for all stars and declined, um, you know, whether they need a break uh, in between main show seasons, uh, whatever it is. Um, but I mean, as, as a wise phrase once said, I'm going to let you finish, but all stars three seems to be the most star studded cast in the history of this show. Um, they've got people from all different eras, I'm really excited for it. And, um, you know, I, I just wanted to tackle some metal, meta, excuse me, not metal. Um, just wanted to talk on some meta things with you before we hop into this episode. Because uh, we really, you know, we have some stuff to talk about, but we don't we don't have a ton uh, before we get to the daily. <laughs> um, so I appreciate you uh, entertaining me with uh, some of the meta challenge talk that we enjoy. Um we get to uh, Josh and Logan. Uh, they're speaking a bit of Spanish together. Um, and it seems like Logan, uh, we see why he's he's so close with Josh. And it's that, um, you know, being able to speak Spanish in a show that's predominantly English uh, for Logan being from Spain is a comfort zone for him. I just wanted to highlight that because I think it's something really great that the show even aired, first of all. And uh mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're not the biggest fans of Josh um, out there, but I will say he does he does bring, um, you know, different things to the table. Um, he's been in the middle of everything politically this season. Um, you know, even if he were to go out, it, it's a girl's day next week, but if he were to go out next week uh, somehow, like a, in a medical DQ or something, uh, Josh is in one of the best positions in the house right now. Um, Drew, let's, let's stop down on that. Josh, Josh has been in the game since World of the Worlds won every season since then. Um, what do you, what do you think it is that has led to his, uh, his success, uh, you know, not only in the game, but he's also a narrator on the show and confessionals and just has really been uh, moving and shaking a lot of uh, the political game this season. Uh, he's a good social player. I think if you can dock Josh for a lot of things or critique his gameplay in a lot of different ways, but when it comes down to the social game, he is pretty phenomenal. He makes connections with everyone. He can get everyone on a, on a level and can talk to him easily. He's been able to go on vacations with people. I think one thing is telling about his social game is him and Devin being so heated last season to come into this season on a very quick turnaround um, to, to be best friends and to work together. I think it just shows how well Josh can play the social game. 
I will not say anything about his political game because I think that still needs some work. But I think his social game is phenomenal in a way that uh, can take him far into a season. He just needs to keep on working on the physicality, his competitiveness, his cutthroatness, because I think there are some places that he needs to work on, but his social game is phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, you look back and, you know, world the world's two went pretty far. Um, was either the last or second to last male to get eliminated before the final, uh, same thing in total madness. Um, now, Spies, Lies, and Allies, I mean, you talk about the vet truce, so if that holds strong, um, Josh is going to be in the middle of everything pretty much. Um, you know, he's got a ton of girls on his side, a ton of, not a ton, but he does have Logan, he does have Emmanuel, he has Devin, and I do want to touch on what you just said um, about how they were, you know, heated with each other last season, and now uh, Devin and Josh come in as allies this season. I want to give Devin a lot of credit for that as well. Devin, I think, knows this, and I, I would be pretty confident to say this. Devin knows he can beat Josh in a final, and I, I, I hold pretty strong on that. I think Devin can beat Josh in a final. Um, I think there is a lot that goes in to a final. Uh, it is not just how much you can lift that orange theory. It's not how many miles you can run at orange theory. There are a lot of components to a final that you will not know until you run one. And I think despite Devin not having one since rivals three, I think it's something that he realizes, let me just ride this out with him. We'll try to take out the big hitters politically throughout a season and if I can be in a final with him, I know that's one person I can beat. Um, do you also think that's something that Devin realized uh, aligning with Josh? I think both men are very smart with pairing up with each other because they feel like they can win against each other in a finals, but they're also both very well connected. They were connected on opposite sides of the house last season. It was essentially Josh's side with Big Brother versus Devin's side with CT and Kyle. And so if they were just to work together, it's a big old web with them in the middle of it. So they know they can propel each other forward with their numbers. And I think being able to beat each other is just like icing on the cake that it's kind of like Devin has that experience. So I think he's a little bit more confident in a final than say Josh, who I think would just be so excited just to be there. But also it's not just getting each other to the finals. You also have to realize who else is sitting around you in the finals. And I mean, it's not going to be a cakewalk with the rest of the guys that are in the game, or if this is going to be a team run format. Uh, yes, they have six players, but you got to figure out, who is really on your team? What job can they do? And will that be an asset in the finals um, is all some stuff that you have to think about. And we're heading into the 14th episode. I think we have like three more episodes before we start getting into the finals territory. And so you got to keep yourself safe and then also know who you're surrounding yourself with uh, heading into the finals. Yeah, I, I would say that time frame is accurate as far as what we're looking at um, to get to a final they're feeling the heat and it uh, definitely starts 
at this daily uh, sunken intelligence, which they really just got to cut the shit with these stupid spy names. Um, they've dragged this out from total madness and it's so stupid. Um, but they have to untangle these knots with 150 feet of rope, uh, get a treasure chest and place the diamond on a podium. The team that you get it done the fastest wins. Um, Emerald for the first time in about a month realizes that their plan was not good at all. Um, they were not confident um, that they were definitely in first. <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I had thought that, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry, audience. Um, I had thought that Emerald did okay, but um, I, I did not think they were going to win. So I was a bit surprised for that later on. Um, we see CT saying how it's a puzzle with the ropes being tangled and everything. And Amanda, uh, honestly iconic with the, uh, the Titanic, uh, hold me Jack, um, moment where I do believe her. I think Ruby told her to just stay there, uh, cause they're not confident in her abilities. Um, not very thrilled with how Corey and Nelson, have talked to her uh, considering they've done so many seasons with her. They don't have many allies and they probably should be nice to Amanda and Ashley, two people that they've been doing seasons, you know, seven, eight seasons with uh, somewhere in that area. Um, anything for you stick out in the daily? Because for me, honestly, it was that those three short bullet points. But other than that, there was, was so much filler time. Um, so I will say that I thought coming into this that, okay, on paper, maybe the challenge producers were thinking this isn't necessarily a numbers game because numbers can hinder you if not everybody's on the same page. Uh, but listening to the aftermath, Kyle talked about how Emerald's numbers really benefited them because one, they were all listening to Devin. Devin was the coach. Everybody was listening intently going into it. They all had their ideas. They all knew where they were supposed to be. And if there was somebody that needed a break or wasn't moving as fast, somebody was able to pick up the slack, come in behind them and come together. Whereas if you have four people, you're really like needing to be zoned in. And it just did not seem like Emmy and Kyle were zoned in. Kyle was overzealous pulling the rope instead of trying to like listen in on who uh, or where Ashley was trying to point him. Emmy seemed pretty like dazed and confused. So they were pretty much dead in the water. We come to Ruby where I do agree that I was nervous because I thought Amanda was throwing this on purpose, but from what Logan was saying in the confessionals and even in the aftermath, nobody gave Amanda a clear position except to organize the rope and when you're first starting out there's nothing to organize because you're still trying to get everything untangled so what is she gonna do i mean so i i feel for amanda because i think she was getting the brunt of it when we saw that there was clear direction from devon and from ashley but when it came down to the ruby team everybody was just quiet and working on their own their own area of the boat so when she was messing around, but there was points where she was like, can I do something? Do I need to do something? And nobody would say anything. And we just saw that Kyle was being a pain in the butt to Ashley and the Sapphire team to where it's better just to like stand back if somebody was doing something instead of just like 
not thinking about it and then pulling the rope and then you're uh, you're setting your team back which they were in the running they were close they had all the best swimmer uh they had pretty much all the best swimmers uh so i feel for amanda i feel for ruby and uh, like you said, they don't have a ton of allies in the house. Corey specifically, uh, it seems like Nelson is pretty cool with Josh, pretty cool with Devin. And by the time we get out of the deliberation, Corey doesn't want anything to do with anybody. And he's just burning bridges on his way to the elimination. So um, they probably shouldn't have talked to Amanda that way, or even the beginning of this episode, five minutes into this episode, they were calling Amanda toxic. Uh, the the weakest female in the game. Logan doesn't want anything to do with her. So I was just like, I don't know. I thought it was pretty rude to start off the episode five minutes in to your new teammate and uh, and then to gang up on her at the club when it's like, come on, guys, we're not going to win regardless. So whatever. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, with Ruby, you bring up a great point that, um, you know, Corey's burning bridges left and right. Um, you know, we'll jump ahead a little bit just because it's a, it ties into this question I want to bring up, but you know, you're talking about Corey, you're talking about Ruby. He also ends up losing this elimination to Logan. Um, you know, I, I do think Logan is definitely an athletic competitor, but if you're someone of Corey's stature and notoriety, you're getting paid the big bucks to be on this show. You have three children now um and Corey Corey definitely takes this show seriously um another question Chris had for us um and I certainly do agree with him um he worded it as a question but it was more of a statement do you also feel that uh Corey is one of the more overrated challengers uh in the game right now uh I don't know who's who's holding him on a high pedestal. I mean, he's been to a couple of finals. He's done well. Um, I don't think he's overrated or underrated. I think that he is a player that continuously pushes himself to do well, but hasn't taken his game to the next level on a competitive wise or a competitor, like level playing field. He is physically strong, but he hasn't tried to better himself besides physically he needs to work on his mental game he's talked about needing a puzzle queen be your own puzzle king and get some books get some math problems and let's do this Corey. like you want to win and beat the best you gotta do the work both mentally and physically to take yourself up to the next level um so i don't think he's overrated because i don't see too many people saying like Corey's the best or Corey's out here winning everything i think him doing nine seasons and only making a couple of finals, I think is making people side-eyed him a little bit and going, come on, man, why aren't you doing more? Or why can't you do more? And, you know, you bring up his physical game, but I'll, I'll double down on that. He, he only, well, I guess I'm not doubling down. I'll add in, uh, to another perspective of his game. Uh, you know, we've we've heard off the show um, that Corey and Wes are friends. They've done a bunch of seasons together. Um, it seems like Corey is trying to take the idea uh, that Wes has had implemented over the history of the show and bring in some rookies. Um, but the problem is Wes is much smarter than Corey is. And Corey, exactly like you said, Drew, 
you know, Ruby loses the mission. Emerald wins again. They're fourth in a row. Corey gets back to the house and is just um, being really rude um, and just saying how, um, you know, he wants nothing to do with anybody if he wins or he says when I win the elimination rather. So it looks even worse on the, on the rewatch. Um, when I win, I'm going to Emerald and throwing every challenge. Uh, we did see that in the mid season trailer. Um, but the guy, it's really all of team young buck. Honestly, whenever any of them are on a season, they always are very emotional. Um, it's the same with Nelly at the club. Like you said, with Amanda um, really, you know, and Nelly ends up apologizing at nominations because uh, we'll, you know, we're getting to that now. But it's the same song and dance with Nelly all the time, man. Uh, you know, on, uh, you know, he got in a yelling match with Devin last season and then he apologized. Uh, a lot of people who are into drama and fights on this show remember his uh, fight with Kayla and, uh, you know, he was apologizing to Anista and then said all those things to Kayla. So, um, you know, it seems like all TYB can't really get themselves out of uh, their own way. They shoot themselves in the foot a lot politically. Um, but I, I have had this sentiment all season and I, I do see it holding true still. Um, Nelly is the second person in line that you would not want an elimination uh like he is no joke in sand i don't think any of these guys left in the game are going to call him out with this new voting mechanic um i think people would take a shot at ct first because he has won um a lot more he has a lot more experience in finals uh he is just a dominant competitor um, so I think people will take the shot at CT first. And I also think between Nelly's last two seasons where he went in the hall brawl against Rogan and lost right before the final and then uh, got taken out by Fessy in the hall brawl, I, uh, I, I just feel that there are people who are going to have some sort of, uh, I, I don't want to say like payback for Nelson, but I feel like there are people who are going to want to see him go far. Uh, do you feel that way as well uh, in regards to Nelson? I think there are players that want to see him go far, but I think that more so that there will be someone that will call him out before like CT or anything. Cause I think he has a great elimination record. I think he is in fantastic shape, but when we look at it, I think, I think Logan would call out Nelson way before he would call out CT. I think he wants to run the final with CT. That's why he moved over to the Sapphire team. Spoiler alert. Uh, he moved over to the Sapphire team, but he's talked about not liking Logan or uh, Nelson. And he doesn't like Corey and he just took out Corey. He told Ed that he felt like Nelson was the easier person to win against in an elimination. So if, somehow Logan finds himself in the elimination grounds on the layer grounds again, I think possibly he could want to take a shot at Nelson and take him out of this game. I just don't think that Nelson would let him because it would be so close to the end that Nelson would just tear anybody apart to get to the end, uh, whether it be a rookie or anybody. I think if he would go up against CT now, that would be crazy. I wish in the aftermath, Corey talked about 
possibly calling out CT. And I wish he would have, because that would have been awesome. That would have been great to see Corey being like, you know what? I got to face you either here or in the finals. Let's do it. And if I can't beat you here, then I'm not going to be able to beat you in the finals. So let's just do it right now. You know what? And I put out a prompt earlier uh, to get some questions in for the show for, you know, our fans and our audience, uh, your fans and your audience. And I even wrote one in myself and I said, I'm hosting this podcast. What the hell am I doing putting in a question? But (laughs) true, we've been, uh, it's been a question on my mind this entire season. Uh, we, we, we go week after week, boys day after boys day. And these, and I'm, I'm going to say it fools, idiots are not putting CT in. Um, and I, I really, I, I say it that way because look, I know you may lose to CT in elimination, but some of these have been any given Sunday type of eliminations where anybody can win. And it's the point that you just brought up against any man left in the game, CT wins the final. And that's on everything, in my opinion. He takes any man down in this game. There isn't a man who is close enough uh, to CT's ability to be able to eat, do a puzzle, uh, any portion in the water. CT is better than every single man in the game. So I, I don't understand, and I, I, I feel like, you know, Corey – He's in his ninth season. This is his ninth right now. And I, I don't know why he didn't take the shot. You know, Corey gets a lot of money to go on the show. He gets a lot of money for filming Teen Mom. I, I don't understand why he didn't see the writing on the wall that if he wanted to win a final, sure, if he beats Logan, great. But then guess what? Then you still have kyle and you have ct and like i even i I just feel like even if it was kyle i think Corey's game could have freed up a little bit more in my opinion um if it was ct i mean he still would have got voted in again and uh people would have said hey thanks for the help but you're gone still but i mean if Corey made a final without ct he might have that opportunity soon from what I hear because uh, CT is filming a movie. He was actually not at the reunion for Spies, Lies, and Allies. He's uh, filming a ni- refilming or remaking a 1930s classic movie. Um, so he's continuing his uh, movie career that he's been dedicated to after uh, Habitual uh, with him and uh, his uh, childhood friend. Uh, but I digress on CT's movie career. Um, we head to nominations where it's four people that are up for options. Um, but we we really think um, once we get to the lair, you know, obviously it wasn't going to be Nelly. So it's really three. It's Logan, Kyle, CT. Um, now, to me... I guess Logan, you know, he is, as we've seen in the episodes, he did get injured. Um, You know, Corey just wants to try and survive to another day. Did you think there was any chance he was going to call out Kyle or CT, or did you think it was Logan the whole time? I didn't think it was going to be CT. Um, 
I thought it was going to be, first of all, I thought it was going to be Logan who was going to be the agency vote, thinking that the vet truce was going to stay. So seeing Corey as the agency vote, I was like, okay. And with the buildup of him and Kyle butting heads earlier in the season, and they never liked each other, I was kind of thinking it was going to be 50-50. But knowing that Logan had an injury, he is a rookie, it's just better to to go after Logan. It's I, I don't like Logan talking in the confessionals saying that Corey doesn't have the balls or whatever. I mean, it, this is a game. You take your shots when you need to. And Corey did what was best for what he thought was best for his game. Um, sad to say his, he wasn't mentally into it, uh, especially after losing round one, but uh, you just got to take your shots the best that you can. And if it just doesn't go your way, it doesn't go your way. I heard Corey talk about how he only has one ACL and he's trying to balance on this giant crate, uh, trying to pull this rope, this flaming rope out of another man's hand. So, I mean, it's it's tough. It's a tough elimination for him. Um, but you just got to take your shots the way where you see fit. And uh, I almost wish that Corey would have stayed in this game because I wanted to see everything that he was planning on doing swap up. Let's go. Let's sabotage. Let's destroy the Emerald cell from the inside out. Just start ripping the seams out would have been awesome to see. I think we're definitely setting up uh, for, even though Corey went out uh, tonight, I am expecting the Emerald cell to be shaken up. Uh, next week uh by virtue of the uh the girls day i think it's definitely going to be the case um i i certainly have a couple of theories but i i do think unless it's emmy who gets voted in and wins the elimination round um she'll go back to sapphire but i think every other woman in the game uh would infiltrate emerald and I think that could bring in some really fun mechanics in the game. Definitely looking forward to it. Um, but like you said, in the elimination, it's Corey and Logan rope burn. Uh, there are two giant uh, circular cages. At first I thought they were going to have to go in the cage and do some sort of a, like endurance type of thing, but they're on top of the cage. Uh, they are doing a form of tug of war. The rope is on fire. Um, and the they have to get it out of their opponent's hand or the opponent has to fall off of the cage. Um, a great line from Amanda that Corey looked like a shit sandwich in this uh, elimination. Um, I did watch the aftermath, but I must have not heard the, uh, the uh, one ACL comment uh, from Corey. Uh, it was also interesting in the aftermath. Corey was upset with uh, with Josh, saying that he felt betrayed, and I just I, I don't buy it. Like I I don't know what he wanted from Josh. Like it seemed you're allowed to have a close relationship with the rookie and not vote them in. Um, I I feel like you know Corey can be upset with Josh, but it just you know. Sometimes he just handles things wrong politically, but it seemed like after the show, he was able to say, like, I'm not going to take it personally, but I will remember it. So that was good from Corey. 
Um, this elimination reminded me of uh, Josh and Jordan in War of the Worlds 2, where Josh had like pretty much every advantage except for Jordan being a smarter challenger than him. Uh, by no means am I a Jordan fan. Uh, I'm more of a Josh fan. It's not saying a lot uh, when you have those two. Um, but I, uh, you know, I was pretty surprised here with Logan. Uh, he takes round one. Uh, and round two, right away, as soon as his hand uh, comes off of the uh, the rope, uh, he snaps Corey, and Corey is trembling very fast and falls off of uh, the sphere, and uh, he takes a 2-0. Uh, Logan takes Kyle's spot on Sapphire. Kyle goes back to Ruby. Um, and I, I do want to touch on something I missed earlier. You know, you bring up how the daily is not fair as far as, uh, you know, numbers go. You know, they don't they don't do uh, like our guy Jeff Probst does in Survivor, where if uh, one tribe has six and another tribe has five, you know, you have to sit out one person, not in back to back challenges. Um, the challenge doesn't do that. And there there have been multiple dailies where, uh, you know, as far as the daily missions, they should be able to go another time or have um some sort of mechanic to where it's excuse me to where it's even but if this is a team final it's going to be better to run with a smaller team so you can win more money um as far as financially now actually running the final that may be a different story because war of the worlds 2 we saw they had so many people they thought it would be an advantage and uh it was much easier carrying that carabiner with the bags when you had less people granted that's a couple seasons back but do you think there's anything the show can do in this format when you have two teams that are two less people uh than this emerald team uh because we're looking at 14 players in the game right now um i, I do think this you know maybe three or four episodes uh, till final is probably accurate. Um, is there anything the show can do uh, for the dailies or for uh, for a final uh, if there's uneven numbers? I don't know. I really don't know. I'm thinking back to it. I mean, Ruby almost won the wipeout challenge when they had five people, uh, even though Emerald had six. They could have won that. There was no way. They were going to win. Anybody besides Emerald team was going to win that football one uh, with the money heist. And then this one seemed also that the numbers advantage just helped out Emerald. Emerald is, I will say, even though they aren't the best individually in this game, together they work well and they take direction from each other well. I don't think that there is these giant egos with them to where Devin gives directions everyone is okay with Devin giving directions and can take in directions so it's going to be difficult to win whatever daily it is because they do work well with each other now if this was a team where it was like heated rivals and this team was split down the middle it would be a whole different story but because they work well with each other it's just going to be that much more of a hill to get over to beat them uh, in any of these daily missions, especially if there is something that is of numerical value 
of getting bags to a certain area or point totals because you have three players going up against two on two. I mean, if they do another football one, it's going to be three men, three women against two men and two women on every iteration. And it's just going to be annihilation. So I don't know. I'm, I'm crossing my fingers that every time Josh and Nani say how good the Sapphire team is, that it's just one step closer to like a Beetlejuice effect of Sapphire winning uh, into the agency. And after this episode, after Logan goes over to the Sapphire team, Nani says it that Sapphire is looking stronger and stronger after every elimination and mission, which Josh said that last week at the end of the episode, but nothing came of it. So Nani saying it this time, maybe that means that, okay, it happened two times in back-to-back weeks. Maybe we're going to get it this week, this upcoming week. It is certainly building to that. You bring up a really good point there. Um, I, I would certainly like to see it. I think it could be fun. I think, you know, if we can see um, CT in power, I'm always here for that. I think uh, he's very undervalued politically in this game. And uh, I think the agency can make some big moves. Uh, if Sapphire were to be uh, the agency, I I don't know for sure. Um, I think Sapphire benefits more on a guy's day um, because uh, they they could use some of these, uh, you know, big guns out of the game. Uh, you know, yes, Logan's athletic, like I said, but um, give me Kyle or Nelly or even Devin uh, over Logan, who's also injured, uh, like we said earlier in the podcast, but um, I, I'm not going to want an injured rookie in a final over three guys that have been uh, to at least the final piece. So um, I, I would definitely, if I'm a Seth, if I'm CT, if I'm Logan, you know, those, those vet guys that are still in the game, even Josh, even though Josh hasn't seen a final, I'd still rather have Josh on my team than Logan. Uh, you know, these finals recently, a ton of endurance, um, a ton of, uh, you know, brute strength needed in some parts, uh, you know, puzzles Josh isn't horrible at either. So he's not the best, but he's not the worst, um, which isn't saying a lot with the competitors on MTV. But, um, you know, I do think it's going to be an issue for Logan, uh, especially with being called out into elimination. He is, you know, 2-0 and as a rookie, very great uh, record. But I, I think he's someone that the vets just see the blood in the water, uh, as they say many times on this show. Um, so we, we get to the end where Logan wins. Um, he's allowed to, uh, you know, stay with Ruby or infiltrate Sapphire Emerald. I think this is where Josh's social game really comes into play. You know, Corey calls out Logan, but Logan, uh, by winning, infiltrates and takes C or excuse me, takes Kyle's spot on Sapphire does not take up Emerald's spot. Um, Kyle goes back to Ruby Um, again, Drew, you know, Josh, it seems he's got his way. However, this six is not, if, if we ran the final today with these teams that six on Emerald, I do not 
give me the four on Sapphire uh, over the six on Emerald because I would much rather have Ashley and CT on a team than the group of uh, six Emeralds. I know there are a good amount of final appearances between the six Emeralds, um, but I there is no value there there's no price on the amount of finals that ashley and ct have been in they have both you know ct's won four coming into this season ashley's won two um if she sees a final that's where she thrives um in your opinion do you think the emerald cell god i can't believe i said cell i i hate those terms <laughs> uh, but um do you do you also agree that Emerald is not uh, in the best spot that they think they're in? You know, no, heck no. I think the thing is, is I mentioned it on my tiny table talk last week is that they are playing to not get infiltrated, but the question isn't if you'll be infiltrated, it's when you'll be infiltrated and you should be making the moves now that if a certain player goes in and you think that they could work better than some players on your team, then you should be talking to them going like, Hey, if you find yourself in elimination, come over here, switch out with this person because you got to be real for yourself. Yes. They're working well together, but there are better players in the game that can benefit your game farther. Um, Josh is good at puzzles, but so is Devin. So if you're, if you have Devin and Josh, you can swap that person out and get somebody who may be better physically stronger, say like a Nelson. Bring in Nelson over to your team. Uh, he's a workhorse. He'll help move whatever you need to move. Maybe he'll be better eating. He did do pretty well in the Invasion of the Champions finals, coming in second place, very minimal, very close to CT, coming in second place right behind him. Um, the same with like... I hate to say it, Nani does better one-on-one in like finals, but she just ran a final last season. And when it came down to one of her best friends of 10 years, getting some money in the game, she couldn't click it into the next gear to try to pass Corey and Cam. She just stayed in there and said, I can't go any further than this. I can't go faster than this. I will get to him, but I can't physically move faster. I'm not looking at that person on my team going, okay, she's going to give me that much effort or I, I can't see somebody else giving me that much more endurance. I'm going to be looking to see if I can get Ashley to come over to my team and get that Emerald team over there. She's good at puzzles, but also she has great stamina and she can help you out where needed. Um, so to me, there's always better players that you can swap out. And it's frustrating when you have someone like Devin who you know is smart in the game and he's just looking to just go with the players that he's with because he knows he can point them in the right directions. But when it comes down to it, I just don't think that the Emerald is a sleek machine when it comes down to long distance. Whereas I think maybe Sapphire could really pull it out. I mean, CT, when you got CT, he'll eat whatever is on his plate and everybody else's plate. Like, come on now. Like when it comes down to that money, he'll do whatever it takes. Um, I think Ruby actually isn't terrible amanda's good at puzzles nelson will move whatever he needs to move it's just going to come down to uh kyle who has done well in finals 
And then Big T really shelling it out, which I think I think Big T is very underrated. Um, so if anything, I think the Emerald team has a little bit more dead weight on them that they could shed or swap out and be a much better efficient machine uh, than what they think they are like the best thing right now, which they are not. <laughs> they are just not. You bring her up. Um, I I, I want to see Big T run a final. Um, you know, we've, we've heard it over the last few seasons with Big T and Anissa. Um, you know, Anissa's had her few final appearances, so I, I don't really put her in the following category, but I don't feel that it's right for these people to be, you know, so confident that Big T can't perform uh, when, you know, she's done pretty well in daily challenges. She pulls her weight. Uh, you know, she's been on the winning side uh, with some winning pairs and she she was playing a pretty decent game in Total Madness until she got injured um, as well. You know, she's had strong showings. I, in my opinion, you got to let somebody run a final before you can say, you know, they can't run with you or they're not confident. Like the Anissa stuff, to me, it's warranted. Uh, and I'm only bringing her up because both Anissa and Big T are the two recently who have been getting the brunt of the, uh, the oh, we can't have her on our team in a final or we can't, you know, if it's a pair final, you know, we're in trouble if we have Anissa on our team. So, and it's the same with Big T. When Big T, you know, she's good at puzzles. She's a very strong swimmer. Um, that was well documented last season when she was partnered with CT. Um, you know, I, I think she has a lot of attributes to bring to the table just because she doesn't run every day and work out like some of these people do. I, I still think she can hang in a final. Like so much can change in a final. So much can happen. And, uh, you know, I, I think Big T deserves the opportunity to show uh, to show what she's got. And I, I agree with you. Uh, Sapphire, the only way, if these teams stood, and if this is the Sapphire team and it's a team final, Sapphire would only have an issue uh, because of Logan's injury. Uh, we'll see if that plays a factor. Um, we'll also see when this final's coming. If it is teams, if they are going back to pairs, they are going to individual. Um, I don't like how they mess with the format on us all the time. I do not. I don't like it for the players. Uh, as a viewer, I enjoyed it because the pairs was getting – it was nauseating watching the first two months of this season. Uh, we were getting the same thing every single week, and uh, it was very frustrating. Um now, one other thing as far as like the two months in the beginning being a little frustrating, uh, and then we'll we'll close out here. Um, also, one last question from Chris Miller. Uh, so we will close that after this. But as far as uh, the rookies, we've seen a lot of them on uh, Spies, Lies, and Allies. Uh, who do you think is uh, someone that'll be – let's do two male, two female. Uh, who do you think – most likely to come back for 38. Um, definitely going to be Priscilla and Ed, I think are two names that pop into my head real quickly. Uh, I think they made the biggest impact on the season. I think despite 
Emmanuel getting far into the game, never going into an elimination up to this point. I'm going to remember Ed and Priscilla way more than I'm going to remember Emmanuel because he hasn't done a whole lot in this game. He hasn't done anything memorable. Um, so I think definitely Priscilla and Ed. Um, I personally would love to see Michaela and Kells back. I think they have such great potential and they already had like a feel for this game. They knew what they wanted to do. They came in not with blinders on. They knew exactly what the vets were wanting to do. And I feel like they got sideswiped by the whole partners being partnered up with their partners with Kells with Tracy. And if these eliminations were solo, we would be on a different tune right now. Like if it was man and versus man, woman versus woman, Michaela would have won the first one without her partner just flailing around next to her. And I think Kells would have been able to possibly beaten Ed. I think Ed with Emmy was just way better pairing than Tracy and Kells. Um, so I have two rookies that I definitely think are going to be coming back. And then two that I hopefully would be coming back. Um, and yeah, I'll keep it at that. Yeah, no, I, I think those are really good picks. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Michelle and Tatcha uh, for my uh, female mm -hmm. picks. Uh, we, I've met Michelle at Survivor events. Um, within five minutes of speaking to her, you know why she's one Survivor. Um, she is constantly underrated uh, physically. She's very good at puzzles. Um, she's always someone who can make friends quickly, and I, I really hope uh, that she gets another season as far as Tatcha um we had her on the podcast earlier this season uh truly just a bright light and a hilarious um competitor and great person as well I think Tatcha brings obviously it's well documented uh, as you know as well Drew with some of your videos uh she brings her Tatcha Titans and they gigantic fan base that the show did not have um and i think any episodes that can bring up ratings is going to be something that they look at in the future um and anything they can do to bring tasha on and for her to be on more than three or four episodes uh i think would be great as far as the men um i really enjoyed coriel on the season i think it's great to have a uh, gay black man on reality TV and just to be extremely strong, like he is built like a rock. Um, as And then um, the second uh, male rookie, I'll go with Ed as well. Um, I, I think the show loved him. He would get a lot of uh, just general generic confessionals. That's usually a sign of uh, the show liking you. Um, and uh, I think a lot of the vets enjoyed Ed as well. Uh, definitely not a slouch in the game. And I could certainly see him being brought back for entertainment purposes and for competitive purposes as well. Um, but I, I enjoyed this one. We talked a lot of meta uh, things, you know, who may come back, uh, formats, uh, you know, people's strategies. Is Corey Wharton uh, overrated, underrated? A lot of great stuff on this episode. Uh, as Drew mentioned, we are getting down 
uh, to the nitty gritty, not Nelson's needy greedy in final reckoning. We are getting down to the nitty gritty um, of this season, looking forward to uh, this potential final um, and seeing, well, not potential, this final uh, and seeing who uh, will be running. Um, definitely looking forward to the reunion. Uh, they just got back uh, from filming it in Amsterdam, which is very cool. Uh, so at least they got to travel somewhere fun for it. Um, seems like there was a good amount of drama uh, over there. Um, I won't say who, but we do have at least one guest from Spies, Lies, and Allies lined up for the reunion. Uh, very much hoping that that stays strong with uh, everything going on this season and with Viacom. If it does, uh, we promise that we will have a great reunion episode for that. Um, Drew, before we let you go, let our listeners know where they can check you out on social media and where they can find your phenomenal videos on your YouTube channel. Uh, you can find my YouTube channels on Angel Cake Entertainment, where I do mostly the challenge-based content, but I'm also going into other reality TV-based content. And you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Drew Angelman. Drew, again, thank you so much. I really enjoyed this, uh, you know, talking to you. Always great. Uh, you always provide a great perspective on the show. Uh, guys, stick around. We are going to be getting into uh, the Merge episode part two, Survivor episode seven, uh, coming up next with my guest, Matt Perel. Thanks. All right, everybody, as promised, we are back uh, for part two of the merge episode of Survivor 41. Uh, they left us on a cliffhanger. Uh, that was not really a cliffhanger. I think we also realized why uh, Paramount Plus uploaded uh, three seasons of Australian Survivor with all the twists we've been getting this season. I'm not alone to recap this episode. I'm back with my friend who was here last week. Unfortunately, we lost the recording. We're going to get it right this week. And Ethan's in, uh, with us in spirit. But please welcome Matt Farrell. Matt, how are you? Thanks for coming back. Josh, thank you for having me. I'm glad that not only are we making it up, but we're making it up on a, a much better episode. I think the best episode of the season. So I'm a lot more passionate and excited to talk about this episode than I was about last. So glad to leave that in the last week. Yes, yes. It was certainly a very good episode. Uh, I really enjoyed uh, a lot of what happened. I thought it was a fun immunity challenge. I loved the editing that went on. Uh, we'll definitely talk about that throughout the recap tonight. Um, but yeah, let's, let's dive right in just like they did in the episode last night. Uh, we start with uh, Jeff talking to Erica at the setup for the immunity challenge. He tells everybody uh, what ended up happening uh, while Erica was on Exile Island. And uh, Erica informs us that she smashed the hourglass, which why wouldn't she? Because there was no consequence uh, for her to smash the hourglass and she got free immunity. So we now have Ricard, Evie, Cindy, or Sydney, excuse me, uh, Deshaun, uh, <laughs> Evie, and uh, Danny and Nasir uh, competing for immunity. Um, 
Matt, if you're someone in the game, you really can't be mad at Erica over this, right? Oh, not at all. I think everyone, every single one of them would have made the same exact move. Um, and that's why it felt so foolish leaving on that cliffhanger because they couldn't blame her. She made, she made the best move for her, and it didn't seem like anyone um, had any hard feelings, or at least as we've seen so far. I think the only hard feelings, um, and obviously the players weren't going to say this out loud, but I know you and I talked about this as soon as it was airing, um, but for, for 20 years of this show, it's always been about winning and trying your hardest. And this twist just said, you know, screw that. If you win, you're now getting punished. Um, and I know you were. Oh, you were yeah. And, that. Uh, well, what I, I'm glad that Danny and Deshaun, they showed them like being able to kind of show the other side of how the fans felt too and how the players felt. And they didn't run from it or hide from it production at least. And they addressed it head on, like, like I'm not used to this as an athlete. And I think many people could kind of, like, feel that way because it's just good uh, for the toughest season ever. It's, it's for people who just lost. And it just – I'm glad that Deshaun kind of said, like, hey, like, this is the precursor for what we heard before coming out here, like – anything goes so um but then again like he addressed in other parts of the episode saying like i wish i could just kind of play more of a social game and not have to play with all these different um advantages so it, it was good to see from production side that they were able to show us that like they didn't show all the rosy stuff they showed that people were not happy with it because it, it was messed up and it was a terrible way for sydney go, to go out who i thought was such a fun character and I, I just, oh man, I think she had so much left in her. And I think that we will definitely be seeing her again in the future. She, uh, if you thought she was fun on the show, her exit press was even uh, better uh, to shout out oh, yeah. people. Uh, she did uh, some exit press with Dalton Ross over at EW, who does a ton of great work every week uh, on Survivor coverage. Uh, she did some coverage with Mike Bloom over on Parade.com and did some coverage with the great Rob Sesternino over at Rob is a Podcast. And her her exit press was just lethal. She was cutting uh, mainly Heather. She said some rough oh, yeah. stuff about Heather, um, which, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see if that's warranted. But, um, you know, Sydney, definitely. We don't, we, we don't know Heather. We... No, no. We've seen nothing. We've seen nothing of her, and it's very interesting. But who, who knows? Maybe she'll have a strong ending, and she'll come in strong, and she's gonna have this whole big. They've been doing all these flashbacks. Maybe at the end, they're just gonna flash back on all the things that she should have had a confessional on, and it's just like she was pulling the strings the whole time. Yeah, that'd be pretty. <laughs> you know, it'd be fitting for this season. Um, but we loving uh, the flashbacks. Oh yeah, they were great. Uh, they especially the one later in the episode. But we'll yep. look for that. But that was that was great. So um, we're at the immunity challenge. Um, like I said earlier, the majority Luvu group, along with uh, Evie and Ricard, are uh, competing for immunity at this point. Um, in this, uh, we've seen this challenge in the past in uh, 
San Juan del Sur and in Survivor Cambodia, where you have to make a brick tower uh, with your feet only. And uh, the first person to get all the bricks stacked and then put a flag in the middle uh, where there's a bit of a hole uh, wins. Um, I actually thought this was going to be great for uh, Sydney. I, and she did do a good job in this challenge. Um, but I, I thought she was going to win this one. Um, did you feel the same way? Um, oh, yeah. I, I felt strong about Sydney winning. But, uh, I mean, as Sydney said in her exit press, uh, supposedly Ricard's a dancer and he's good with his feet. I have each episode grown to like Ricard more and more. And I think that he may be playing the best game after. Because like, I thought Shan was playing the best game. And then, boom, she, she did a couple things where she like kind of put herself in a worse in a worse position. Liana was in a great position. And then after last night, I don't know. Like, I know you feel like she's kind of still in a great position and she probably is. And she probably will find herself back. But I feel like Ricard's in a pretty good situation right now where he's in, he's in the majority Alliance. And also um, I feel like, I feel like he's going to be a little middle guy where like they're going to pull you over because he was on that tribe of two. So they're going to feel like he's, so I don't know. I feel like he's in a strong position. How do you feel? Yeah, I, I think Ricard is in a great spot. I do think, though, with how big of a twist this was, I think he needed that immunity. I think he would have went home if he didn't win. Immunity. Oh, yeah. I think he would have been the easy vote where everyone was just like, let's survive another day. The only person who's tied to Ricard is Shan. So we'll make Shan go along with it, and we're just going to vote out Ricard. Um, so I think that was a huge win for him last night. Um, but I, I do think he's in a decent spot. I think he could be someone who picks up people like, uh, you know, Erica and Heather, who don't really seem to be rocking with the Luvus. Uh, he's going to be with Shan in that alliance. So I, I think Ricard's in a good spot, and I think he's somebody who's going to take a shot uh, when he needs to, and he's definitely not somebody who uh, who plays scared at all. Um so yeah, you nailed you nailed it for sure, especially about the part that um I, I, I'm blanking here about about Ricard. You said you said something about Ricard, um no that Ricard was doing, but yeah, continue. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> no worries. Um, so as we're watching the challenge, it seems that Sydney Ricard and uh, also Evie's doing a very good job. Uh, those three are taking the lead in the beginning part of this challenge. Um, Evie's actually the first to get the uh, um, first to get to their uh, their um, the flag that they have to put in at the end of the challenge. She actually uh, knocks a brick over um, to uh, give her card the chance to come back in this challenge. I think Danny was just too tall for this challenge. Uh, he has really long legs and just a big guy. Like, it is not good to be a, a tall, uh, you know, bulky guy in this challenge. Like, you want to be small and have core strength for this. Um, so as soon as I saw it was the feet-only challenge, um, I, I had a pretty strong feeling Danny wasn't winning this one. Um, but I, I did think there was very – there was a very small chance it was going to be Danny that went home. Uh, but 
we saw a lot from Danny uh, in this episode. Uh, how do you how do you feel about his position in the game uh, after last night's episode? I think he's in a really strong position, and coming in, I I was like, there's no way he loses any immunity challenges. And of course, it was like the one immunity challenge he could possibly lose, like using your feet and having to be kind of agile, which obviously is probably the one part of his athletic ability he doesn't have. So um, I think going forward, he has a really strong alliance uh, that's in the majority, and he's in the core of that majority alliance. And he is going to also be a physical threat. I think as long as he doesn't get taken out by a wacky advantage, he is definitely going to be top five until they realize they have to take him out because he'll just – I mean, as soon as he loses one, they'll probably try to take him out towards the end, but he's in a pretty strong place. Yeah, and we've we've seen Nasir and Xander have both been very strong in challenges. Sydney was another one who was really strong in challenges. So – um, it's it's getting thinner and thinner for Danny uh, as the uh, the challenge beasts of the season, uh, as more of these physical threats have been leaving the game. Z- Xander and Nasir are probably his only other, like, who, who else do you think would really be? Ricard's a pretty good competitor out, outside of just, like, the feet thing, but. Yeah. Um, Liana's been really strong on puzzles, um, but in, in the modern True. era, they they really don't have just like a single part of it that's a puzzle. It's usually an obstacle course and then a puzzle at the end. Um, Maybe but, final four ish time is there's usually like a puzzle at the end of like a, a, a relay type race. So mm-hmm. I could I could see that getting Liana further into the game towards the end. Mm-hmm. So we. Uh, we see Ricard uh, winning immunity. I was pretty shocked. Um, like I mentioned earlier in this uh, portion of our uh, episode tonight, I I was pretty shocked. We head back to camp at about 8.20, 8.25, uh, which is very early for an average episode. Um, but I was very happy with it. Uh, they needed to go to camp. We needed to see all the conversations and – Oh, me too. Did, did you think that there was going to be a double? Hey, uh, I'm what? I'm sorry, you cut out. I said, do you think that there was going to be a double eviction with how, how much time, like, uh, they left? So I, I didn't think there would be, like, a double um, vote out or double boot episode. Um, if they were going to do that, I think they would have made – the episode two hours. Um, I do think it could happen later in the game, um, but they never like introduced that we were going to be breaking the group in half and doing like two tribals. But they are doing different things this season. I never, it never crossed my mind uh, that they would vote two people out. I just thought, you know, there's twelve people on this new merge beach. We didn't really get to see much of the dynamics last week, and they needed to make up for it. And I really think they did. Uh, we saw a lot of different groups uh, talking. Big time. Yeah, we um, we see uh, Biasa three, um, which I do say three, and I I'm still, you know, I've been thinking about it all day, listening to you know the different podcasts I listen to, and just thinking about uh, this merge vote. And I I have. 
I've been trying to think for so long and I don't know if there's been someone who has so quickly flipped on their original tribe. And, you know, you, myself and Ethan had said that they needed to stick together for at least a vote or two. So were you surprised to see Liana flip as quickly as she did? Absolutely. I, I didn't understand why it wasn't even a possibility or a thought to take Nasir's idol. Like she has zero connection with Nasir. So I don't understand why her, like why the thing is, is sometimes players get tunnel vision and uh, I think Stephen Fishback alluded to it. Like, cause he even had it for Joe um, about like you get locked in on a player and all she wanted to do is take down this big, great athletic player. But like realistically the best move for her was keeping strong with her tribe because Xander wanted to protect her and so did Tiffany and so did Evie and they, they smelt her bullshit from a mile away and especially Tiffany and that was that gave us one of the best moments in Survivor history which we'll obviously get to but the, the I guess we're right now in the planning of it and the way that I the way that they even go up to Danny like they're so flaunting around the idol um, I think was just amazing. And I was like, what are you doing? And I I probably would have tried to take the idol if I was Liana from like Evie. Like I, I still would have been wrong. I would have, like, they were so smart to give it to Tiffany, like out, out of the three of them that like no one even considered a possibility. Like it, they were always going to be safe with that. I I loved that they gave it to Tiffany I love that Xander had the fake idol. Um, you know, I think a lot of people coming into the game were saying, you know, Xander's got a lot of great qualities. He's a really smart kid. Uh, he goes to the University of Chicago. Clearly, he's very athletic. Um, but people were just, you know, they were worried about his age, that he's 20 and he may not have the life experience. But this move, um, I mean, he really was able to read the room. We'll get to it at the split vote also. But the way that, you know, he's sitting in the middle in the back, 20-year-old kid at a merge vote in his first season of the show and just says, hey, Tiffany, don't pull out the idol. They know that we yeah, have a ballsy it. move. Yeah, especially with the vote being five to four to three. I mean, one person voting the wrong way could have caused the tie or a revote. Um, so it it really, I mean, it shifted everything completely. Um, and I, I think Evie should be very happy that Sydney ended up using uh, her shot in the dark, um, which we'll oh, get to yeah. in the tribal. But because of the split, if it had been tied, I think they would have stacked the votes on Evie. Um, and Evie would have went home if they had to revote. Um, but um, before we get to tribal, we're seeing uh, what ends up being the majority in this vote. Uh, we see Ricard, um, you know, talking with uh, Shan and Liana and Danny, Deshaun, um, and Nastir. They're all speaking about what they want to do for this vote tonight. Um, they're we're we're first seeing that they want Sydney out because they're worried about Nasir's idol, 
and then Ricard won immunity. And that's why I think Ricard's win was so important was that they, oh, were yeah. never, they weren't going to try to blindside Nasir with the idol because they worked with him on original Luvu. And uh, I, I think if Ricard didn't win, I really think he would have went home over Sydney because uh, Deshaun and Danny would have wanted to keep Sydney. Um, well, she was just a casualty in this vote. The, the thing is, though, now that I think about it, Ricard probably would have been safe in the sense that Deshaun and Danny were, and I think this is also the reason why they probably manipulated maybe Liana not to take it from Nasir, is because they did not want a guy going home. They felt like the guys were getting picked off, and I think that they were like they I, it, like it made me think like why would they just throw Sydney to the wolves so quickly after being so close with her and building so much trust. And they're so paranoid about like the woman picking them off that they pretty much decided to take give up one of their own instead of um, instead of letting Nasir go, which probably was the right move for them because Nasir has targeted thrown out the Sean and Danny's name multiple times. So knowing that they shouldn't take out the target that's been saying your name not the one that like literally has been by your side. That just didn't make sense. Um, and you're completely correct there. And Sydney even, she said in her exit press that she wasn't upset um, too much with the people she, um, you know, was working with in the game. If you look at the vote history of last night's tribal, um, cause you know, now that it aired, it is out there. Um, her, her people, she said she wanted to work with, um, I guess, from, you know, the merge and then also pre-merge as well. The people she wanted to work with were, uh, let me make sure I get this right. It was Tiffany, Evie, Xander, uh, Danny, and Deshaun. And none of those people wrote her name down. Now, Deshaun threw her name out for the split, but I think Sydney was okay with it because she also threw Deshaun's name out at one point. Uh, and that tribal just got crazy. So I, I think she took it like a champ. Um, oh yeah. It, it was, uh, you know, like you said earlier in the, uh, in the episode, we hear from Xander uh, who's talking to Danny um, for the first time since their summit with JD a couple episodes ago um, where Xander's telling Danny, like, hey, I'm going to play the idol on Evie. That the majority won.